Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. I am bringing you a guest today. Uh, you're going to be meeting Amy Buckley. Amy is a veteran public school teacher and the founder of Study Help Inc., a tutoring platform that connects top quality teachers with students who are looking for a better understanding and stronger academic skills. For the first five years of her career as a teacher, Amy taught students with emotional issues due to neglect or trauma, and then eventually moved to teaching students with mild to moderate disabilities in her current position that she's held for 20 years. Most teachers are expert on the content they deliver. Amy is an expert at teaching. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me today, Allison. Very nice to meet you. I come from a family of teachers and so many kids in my practice, parents in my practice come because there are school issues. So you're going to enlighten me. I'm so excited about what we're going to share with our listeners here. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about the, the, the company, how that got set up? Like, how to, Tell me about your services, first of all. So our platform started in the summer of August 2020. So right after, so I'm in California, school shut down mid-March, everyone's home. And it, there was no time to prepare for being virtual teaching. So we were really just kind of figuring it out on the fly. And I knew that there was going to be a lot of students that really struggled with that. <clears throat> because I know the teachers were struggling with that. So we set up this platform where students could come and get one-to-one -one attention from a credentialed teacher. So it's not a college student. It's not a high school student. It's somebody who 
has taught this curriculum for years and they get that one-to-one attention that they're not going to get in a classroom. So initially the idea came because we were online, but it really works always, right? Because in a classroom you have 28 to 32 students and one teacher and roughly an hour. So that's about two minutes per student if you're talking one-to-one and here they have 50 minutes of just total teacher focus to really help them get caught up. And because pretty much most students in the United States have done some sort of online something, they're used to how do I connect to Zoom? How do I you know, right on the screen, how do I share my papers? And obviously for the younger ones, the the adults know how to do that. So it really works because you can do it from anywhere. You know, you live in the middle of, you know, here in California, we have a lot of farm country where kids are going, you know, 20, 30 minutes to get to school. Well, guess what? You can just pop on from home and then do everything that you need to do. You can have one kid in soccer and the other in the card working with the tutor. So accessibility is just really key that you can do it from anywhere and that you have this really great teacher because we know in education that the number one most helpful thing for students in terms of growing their academic progress is their connection to their teacher. Oh, I want to just pause and really drill that home. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, folks, this isn't uh, just mine and Amy's opinion. This is research driven that we know that 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 factor, the relation, the perceive, the perception that the, the teacher likes you is huge in terms of how a child succeeds academically like that. And I know parents always think like that. Well, relationships aren't important. Like they're everything. We know they're everything. They're everything. Yeah. Yeah. And these teachers are, they must be not only like whatever great at physics and history, but they've got to be good at people skills. Right. And until you establish that connection with the student, they're not going to feel comfortable to take risks. And that anxiety that students have is really going to block them from moving forward. So developing that relationship with them where they feel like it's okay to try and not get the correct answer. It's okay to write their paragraph that has mistakes and get help. And they don't need to be embarrassed by that, that it's something they're going to work on together and build together is really essential. You know, when we go for training to learn how to be a a therapist and we talk about the, the stages of therapy, the first thing is that to get a therapeutic alliance, like to be able to build that relationship because it has to be a safe place to, you know, be vulnerable. And that's exactly what you're the parallel with the teacher and the student who's going to be vulnerable around. I, I, I need to ask a question. It feels like a stupid question, or I need you to know that I'm, I'm still inversing my, my L's and backwards. And um, it's such a beautiful parallel. It is just, you know, we find that kids with tutoring parents 
at the beginning, they're like, it's so hard to get them on the first time where it's a little bit of a battle. And then they get on and they meet the teacher and they have this 50 minutes and then they want to show you their cat or, and I'm talking about teenagers too. I'm not talking about little kids. You know, they want to tell you about what they're, that they're going to go to this amusement park or what have you. And it is becomes almost difficult to get the kids to say goodbye because they want to do the high fives and they want to tell you about X, Y, Z. So the first time is the hard time. I tell parents, like, once you get past that, you're not going to have so much of a battle anymore. I mean, some days when the kids are tired or what have you, it might be more of a struggle to get them on, but they're going to, they're going to be happy when they're there, even when they're struggling. You know, for teachers that are listening to this and and you're teaching in a regular classroom, you don't have the benefit of being on the lovely platform and maybe you'll reach out to Amy for a job after this interview. But <laughs> if you're just a classroom teacher, uh, you know, listening to this podcast, really take that to heart that I know you have the pressure that you've got to move through the curriculum and you have to get marks in by a certain deadline and there's this pressure on a teacher to like move at a certain pace. Uh, spending that extra time to ask about the cat and to remember how did it go at the amusement park? Like me, it sounds like it's a waste of time. We got to, we got to hunker down and get to our desks and whip open our, our workbooks. But without that personal connection time, you're just, you're, you're not going to be effective anyways. Like I really have to try to tell teachers like in, invest in those relations. It's worth the time to invest in those relationships even if it takes time for 32 of them or 28 of them, you know, obviously the, the time scale is different when you're doing one-on-one, but, um, and the same with parents, like to see your child as a whole, as a whole being, not just like a student who has to achieve and perform. Like they're, a, they're, a, they're a whole person. It's, it's such a good point. Such a and good they're point. They're so, they're so interesting. Our, yeah. our kids, aren't they? Like well, the things that they're interested in, like fishing or cubing or, you know, whatever it is, I've learned a lot from kids. I, I, I fake it a lot too. I'm going to be honest. Like when they come in, they want to tell me about the Warriors game. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I always think of them as sort of like cultural anthropologists that are going to tell me about youth culture. So I'm constantly mining to get educated. Like, tell me about anime and, and why mm-hmm. is that? And why does everyone hate Justin Bieber now or whatever? Like, I'm like they're they're full of all kinds of things that help me understand what's going on inside their world and and I think when we keep that curiosity and positive attitude just sort of realize behind that whatever stubborn student or you know maybe someone who might be a bit bristly there's there's always a, there's always a backstory so it yeah. sounds like you you hire curious teen or youth positive people in your crew there and honestly that's the key to teaching too if i have a a student who I have a lot of students with autism and, you know, they have very specific interests. So maybe it's trains or what have you. And that's, I find the key to getting them engaged. So if we are doing English, you know, let's write about trains. If it's math, let's learn about train timetables and trying to integrate their interest into what we're learning. So it is engaging to them in terms of like the hook. You know, we we talk about writing a good essay. How do you write a good essay? You start with a hook. You start with something 
that gets them to want, gets your reader to want to read your essay, right? So in education, we also have that hook where we have to hook the kid so that they want to learn about fractions. You know, I always start, most kids like to eat. And so we start our fractions unit making s'mores because Hershey's bars, perfect little fraction bar right there. Graham crackers, perfect fraction, right? So they can see the usefulness of learning about fractions. I I have a science degree before I went on to my master's in psychology. So I had to take a bunch of stats courses and they I've had them now taught from professors who, you know, wah, 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 Charlie Brown's teacher. Mm-hmm. And then when I did my last one at the Adler School, Jim Little, who I hope listens to this podcast, he was brilliant at teaching statistics. And he's, we walked into the classroom and on every desk was a box of Smarties. And he said, you know, I've been teaching this class for like seven years and I'm noticing that they're keeping the price the same, but you're getting less chocolate in the box. And so like, I'm like now kind of on a case about watching the changes in the production of, so he had everyone open up the box and he had to put the red ones, the brown ones. And then we did like an analysis and he showed all the data from all the years gone by of like how they're reducing the brown smarties. And (laughs) Uh, so we learned average mean mode, but all of it was with this lovely candy. And like, I mean, I, I was a... 40 year old woman. And I was like, I'm hooked. I'm in. I'm, I, <laughs> I can only imagine if I was a kid who got to eat the Smarties at the end. It was so great. It's, you have to be so creative to be a teacher. And I'm sure that takes way more time than just, you know, printing out an eight, eight and a half by 11. So, you know, kudos to teachers who put the time in. They are unsung heroes. And those are the fun classes when you get to do those things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there, is there like, um, uh, what's your, what's your range? Do you have teachers that are covering all grades and all subject matters or or how does Mm -hmm. it go? We have elementary school teachers. Um, we have some really, really brilliant elementary school teachers. So I have one teacher who is also a yoga instructor. And so our really shy kids, the ones that are don't really speak up in class. They won't tell you if they don't understand something, you know, they just sit there either looking lost or they just smile. So you think that they know what they're doing, but they don't. So I usually connect her with those kids because she's so gentle and loving in her approach that she draws them out. So they feel comfortable and can really get that progress. And then I have another elementary school teacher who is just super fun and vivacious and energetic. And he teaches gifted and talented and he teaches special ed. So he really gets both ends of those spectrums. And so for the kids who are more like they need that real energetic teacher, he's the right guy for them, you know? And then I have some middle school teachers who middle school is tough, you know, they're like embarrassed. They, they are a little stinky, (laughs) you know, there's just, there's so much going on in those brains of, of theirs that, um, you really want to have middle school teachers work with middle school students because they're a little bit like aliens 
and you want someone who is really knowledgeable about aliens. <laughs> and then we have high school teachers and our high school teachers are very subject specific. So I have like a, a math science teacher, a math teacher, English teacher, so that um, because in those grades, you really need a teacher that works specifically. You do not want to ask an English teacher to help you with your physics, right? <laughs> so, well, and, and, and that's why you think about it. That's how if you were in a bricks and mortar situation, but when you get to high school, you start having a, a core teacher and then you rotate through your subjects so that you do get a content expert. I mean, that's, you know, um, and I, and again, to these, to these teachers in the younger grades where they often bounce teachers around like, well, this year I'm teaching grade two. And last year I taught grade six and this year I'm teaching kindergarten. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like they, they, what are you going to do with all your little Tupperware bins that are all labeled like, you know, um, mm -hmm. teaching the Pharaohs of Egypt. Cause now you don't need it this year. You're doing kindergarten. You got to pull out the weather bear with the, <laughs> it's like, right. they, they, Oh my gosh, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that parents don't see. But, um, I loved your point about middle school and the developmental, these developmental stages, because parents only see their child moving through the developmental stages. Teachers see thousands of kids going through the developmental stages. And so you know that, oh, you're in the alien stage. And you, yeah, you know, you better be somebody who likes to work with aliens just the same way. You don't want to be teaching kindergarten if you don't like little people. No. If you don't have patience, if that's not your thing, if you want to teach high school students who are going to challenge you and engage and have big conversations, then you're probably not going to be a good kindergarten teacher. So hallelujah to matching personalities and, and you know, whatever, for all of our developmental and, and interests. That's That's amazing. And you don't get that in public school, right? Even private school, you get the teacher you get, whether or not it's the right fit for you. And here we can fit their personality to the teacher, which I think is just phenomenal. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 there was always parents that would come to me about some child's like, you know, not living up to their potential or could try harder or struggling here or there, but it really took on a different flavor with the pandemic. So I'd yeah. be really interested to see your perspective on the pre, pre and post, or I don't know, pre middle post, wherever we're at in terms of this <laughs> pandemic, as we know, there's a lot of catching up to do. So give me your perspective on what you saw before, during, and where we're at now. So when we first came back really full-time, which was for us the beginning of this year, kids were back in school last year, but it was every other day and, you know, everyone. So they, they were desks apart and only half the kids at once. And so this year we came back, everyone in the classroom, but until I think maybe April, everyone had a mask on. What I saw in the beginning of the year was really a lack of peer interaction. Kids weren't talking very much where, you know, before the break, it was like, okay, everyone settle down, let's get started. And then they'd walk in and sit down and everyone was quiet. So I worked a lot on working with their peers and if there was a couple minutes at the end of a class and I tried to make sure there's a couple minutes at the end of a class, at least once a week, say, okay, talk to your friends. Nobody, I don't want to see anyone on a device. Everyone's going to talk to somebody. And there was a lot of facilitation that had to happen at the beginning of the year for that, to get them to actually talk to each other. 
Um, I'm lucky in that the speech therapist at our school is a friend of mine. And so I would sometimes have her come in and just kind of help with some of these groups of kids to get them going, you know, to ask them questions and get them started. So I, I do, I did find that there was a lot of um, just awkwardness when we came back. I think kids were used to being more isolated. And so kind of had to reteach them how to be in an environment with other people. And academically, there was tons of holes because, you know, I personally teach high school and some of those kids were just really uncomfortable with seeing themselves on the screen, which I get. You can actually turn your video, you know, like so that your video can be on, but you can't see yourself. And I think a lot of people don't know that. Oh, that's uh, a very important because I I actually have that in therapy too, where I because I do telehealth and mm -hmm. teens don't want to look at their face. You're so mm -hmm. self conscious, and I got to look at that pimple. I got to look at that, you know, whatever my bad hair day, my, you know. Um, so I'm I'm gonna have to. That's a setting in Zoom, or that's a setting on your platform, or it's the setting in Zoom. I'm going to research that. Mm -hmm. That's a so good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to put a link to the, in the show notes about <laughs> the, the YouTube video on how to set that up in zoom. Cause I do think that is important for youth. Yeah. So, you know, they would turn their camera off and then who knows what they're doing. Right. Or I would just see their forehead because we got to a point where it's like, okay, everyone has to have their camera on. So camera would be so that I could just see the top of their head. And below that, they're you eating know, nacho so, chips or they're in their pajamas having their breakfast bagel. Well, that, that happens whether they're on screen or not. They had no qualms about that. But um, one of the things that I did find was, oh, is your cat there? Let's see your cat. And then the screen would go down. So at least I could see their face. And then I was like, oh, you, I love that shirt or what. You know, I tried to find something that I could compliment them on. So they keep that on them. But because I couldn't really see what they were doing, there were kids who weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing or, you know, in their other classrooms. So they did have a lot of holes and they were kind of faking it along because as teachers, you know, we gave a lot of grace when everyone was home because everyone's at home. It's new for everyone. Right. But now we have to fill in those holes. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Can I, I want to keep asking about how we fill in the holes, but I, I want to jump on this because I just have my own theory, but I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a teacher. That's so I'm, this is a, you know, whatever, an informed layman's <laughs> um, position, op opinion, only opinion here, folks. Um, I felt that it was needed that we gave grace because it was definitely extenuating circumstances that nobody could prepare, anticipate. You know, we had parents who were trying to like, uh, continue their full, like I had a, I had a principal that had four children. He had to not only do his full-time job online, but then was responsible for these four little people. I mean, how do you juggle all those balls? I mean, I really, it was like a, a, a it was an ask that so many people couldn't fully step into that. We just had to have grace and compassion for doing our best. And I think that was appropriate, but somewhere along the line, I had more kids showing up in counseling more in the older grades saying, 
What does it matter anyways? I'm not going to be tested on this. Or what does it matter? They're passing everybody anyways. And suddenly this like lack of accountability because there was so much grace kind of made everything like a bit of a farce to some of these kids. And I Mm -hmm. wondered if we maybe went too far far the other way Mm -hmm. or or maybe making general rules that didn't apply to everybody's situation. I don't know. Does that resonate with you? Yes. And I think it's hard to figure out where that line is in a short period of time. I think if we had, if this had been something that we were going to do forever, that would have all changed. Right. But legitimately we were on full-time online for less than a year. And then and had, it was like, and had how much and had like zero startup time to get online. Right. Like I, that also right. just blew me away. How much was expected that you're just going to jump on and do this. Wow. And there are schools that are fully online schools that have been that way for 20 years and they know what they're doing. Right. But we don't know what we're doing yet because that's not what we do. So, you know, trying to, to do that transition was a little bit rough. And there was a point of time for about, you know, half a year when I was doing half my kids in the classroom and half my students online. So hybrid. Oh my gosh. Almost worse. Right. It's like double. I told them I felt like, you know, a a talk show host because I had my live studio audience and my at home viewers. And sometimes I would be off the screen and I didn't know it because no one would say, Hey, Mrs. Buckley, you're off the screen, (laughs) you know? And then I'd come back and be like, why did you guys tell me that you could not see what I was doing? And they just, you know, I don't know. (laughs) You've got to just yell it out. Yeah. So we have, we had like, to your point, we, you know, tough situation. Everyone did their best bygones. We're digging our way out, but we've got this catch up period now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is, you know, has been part of your experience. We were the longest, by the way, here in, we're in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Where are you right now, Amy? California. So is it like six in the morning for you or something crazy? It is 727 right now. Yes. Oh, God love you for getting up early for this. Uh, here in Toronto, we we had the longest lockdown of anywhere. Um, I don't know if it was in North America or the world, but in terms of like not, our kids were just not back in school. We were super, super conservative and we got a lot of criticism for that. Um, but our kids were, were really at home for a very long time. And what I'm finding now is that there's as we're coming out of it, more kids are actually having like a new stress because... And now we're back, we're in class or whatever. And now it's, there, there isn't, I don't want to say the alibi, but it's sort of like the pressure before it was sort of like, look, it's tough. Everyone's giving you grace as we said, mm-hmm. but now parents are feeling like I need to get my kid caught up. Like the right. pressure is back on again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we don't have these accommodations and these workarounds or whatever. And I feel like, oh my gosh, now it's like double duty. And so, yeah, we got to get caught up, but not to the point where we're like, again, making academics crippling to these kids either. So how, how are you, how, how are you, what's your strategy then for like filling that gap, not, not, not underperforming and not creating more tension? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I love about our platform is that because we have one-to-one in a classroom, you have to focus on all the holes, right? But if you have a, your child just has one area, like they never figured out long division. Okay. Well, let's work on long division. Let, let's do this together. And now they have 50 minutes 
to do fun ways to learn how to do long division. And there are oddly enough fun ways to do long division. <laughs> you know, I'm not an elementary school teacher, but I have watched our teachers, our platform teachers teach this. And I've been like, wow, you just made that really fun. I can't even believe it because it's long division. I think of long division as like something that you use to describe like a really boring situation. Like, oh, it's like doing long division, right? But they make it fun. So we have a lot of students who are working with our teachers over the summer because they're going into algebra and the parents are worried that they don't have all this, the skills they need. And the thing about class is that when you go into class and you feel unprepared, whether you're prepared or not, if you feel unprepared, you have that anxiety wall, right? And trying to think straight when you're panicking about understanding is really hard, really, really, really hard. So I love that these parents are trying to set their, their children up for success by giving them the opportunity to be assessed by our teachers. Okay, these are the things we need to work on. And I have a lot of parents who ask, well, do you give them a test? Like, well, no, we don't give them a test because how do I know that they're actually doing that and not just looking at the answers, right? We, we assess them like you and I are talking right now so that we can find out what do you really understand? What do you not understand? Then from there, they can move forward with working on those different skills that they need to be successful in English. Like, oh, they're struggling with writing or algebra. We have a lot of algebra kids who are going into algebra that are concerned. The parents are concerned. Um, or reading. We have a lot of younger kids. Um, I had this sweet little first grader that I had this past year. And, you know, in the beginning of the year, we started with, I read a sentence, she read a sentence, I read a sentence, she read a sentence. And I would have online stories, right? So it looked like a real book that you turn the page. And then it became, I read a page, she read a page. Now, I know that's something that parents can do at home. There's just tricks that I know that parents wouldn't necessarily know because I've been doing this for 25 years. Eventually, she's reading me the stories. And then we're writing, you know, about the stories. And then, you know, she went from at the beginning of the school year where she was assessed as being you know, below, emerging, whatever, to being now she's like really successful and is in that above range because she had all this time to do that in a really comfortable environment where, you know, I pick the stories around things that she loved so that we read a lot of dog stories, <laughs> a lot of dog stories. And because she has a dog and a family fosters dog. So it's something that she's really interested in and could tell me about the different dogs in the stories. So 
she became an expert, right? And in that being an expert, she felt like she could teach me something. So then there's that give and take in that relationship that leads to that comfort. Because I think a lot of her hesitancy to read was the struggle and being embarrassed, right? So once we could get past that and we can move forward, she really excelled really fast. And now, you know, she's good to go in terms of her reading. When she integrates back into a teacher who doesn't have the same time, who uh, maybe hasn't built up the relationship, do you think the embarrassment part is still going to be there? Or is it sort of like, I'm, I'm competent now, so it's not going to hinder me again? Well, I tutored her one-to-one and she was in a regular classroom in her school in Colorado. So her teacher saw the success and now she is like, wants to read to everybody. So (laughs) she is very, (laughs) she's very comfortable now. (laughs) Um, Do you, what, what are your thoughts on summer school? Because I know, you know, there's again, this trade-off that parents are saying on the one hand, they're saying, look at my gosh, the pandemic's been so hard. My kid's been so stressed. I really think it's time for us to finally, like we can now get out, we can go to camps, we can go to do soccer, all these social things that we haven't done. I don't know if I really want to put my kid in summer school. Like, you know, maybe that, maybe this is not the summer to do that. And other parents are saying, look at, we got to fill these holes. We got to fill these gaps. Um, this is, this is that, that has to take priority. So where are you on the, you know, how do you decide? I understand fully the whole vacation camp. And yeah, I think those things are really important, but you also need to set your child up so that next year isn't overwhelming where you're getting the tears in the afternoon and I don't want to go to school and it's too hard. I don't understand. So I'm not saying do full day school every day, (laughs) do the vacations, do the fun things, but do work on filling those holes and building that confidence so that the next 10, 10 months, because school really is 10 months. Okay. So those 10 months are not terrible, right? If you could spread out a little bit over the summer so that in the fall, you're not spending hours and hours and hours working on homework and you have this super stressed out kid. I think it's a, a well, well spent investment in, in your child's education and mental health. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the, it's not an either, or it's, it's, it's both. You can have a holiday and, and catch up, you know, you can have fun things and catch up. It's, it's, it sounds terrible. We hear this summer school and we think it's, you know, like ship them off to boarding school. We'll see you in September. It's, it's, it's not, it's maybe not what people, what people thought before. Um, I have this, this is a family story that I just want to share. Maybe this is a bit of a non sequitur and totally off topic, but um, when my kids finished school, I don't know, they were maybe grade two, grade three-ish around then. And at the end of the year, we have Scholastic Books. Do you have that company in the US? Yeah. Yes. So the Scholastic Book forms come around and my kids want to buy this workbook. Um, 
you know, like that's got math activities and pattern recognition, all these kind of things, whatever they want to buy this workbook. I don't remember how much it was, but I'm like, I'm not paying for that. You have an allowance. If you guys want that workbook, you pay for it yourself. And both my kids wanted that workbook so much that they paid for it out of their allowance because <laughs> scholastic books was part of their allowance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they bought the workbooks. My sister, who my sister-in-law, who's a teacher in California, um, she has kids that were in the California system, which is different than the Ontario system, which is actually where she was trained. But they, she wanted to make sure that they didn't have a drop in learning over the summer because we know that some certain skills do kind of drop right. off if you don't have continuous access. So she mandated that her kids do workbooks. So when they got up in the morning, they had to do their workbooks before they were allowed to swim or, you know, go, go play or whatever. And we're at the cottage together and she's like having to force her kids to do this. And they're moaning and groaning. And my kids saw it as like the funnest thing ever because it was, cause I just, I didn't mandate it. But like, I have this belief that kids really do naturally want to learn. And like, if, if, if we make it fun, engaging, uh, don't turn it into some you know, distasteful, forced thing, um, you know, that we can keep that love of learning alive. So anyway, I don't know. I, I, I share that story in case that's a bit of a, or I, I same thing. Like my kids love to read storybooks until you go to kindergarten and then it comes, comes home in a little plastic bag and they say, this is due tomorrow. And it went, Oh, this was always fun. Now it's pressure. <laughs> you know, like there's mm-hmm. it's a bit of the narrative behind this. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Keeping it fun. So important. So important. What is your advice for parents that are listening? Like obviously working with a trained professional, we can't expect a parent to have the same skills as somebody with 20 years working with specialty populations and knowing the system and knowing the curriculums. But for the parent who says, but I want to participate, I want to do at least my part of what would be helpful and useful Mm -hmm. for my child. What would be appropriate parenting um, activities or responsibilities or whatever? What would you like parents Mm -hmm. to be working on? Parents are the number one teacher. And I always tell parents, you know, I have five hours with them a week compared to what you have is, you know, astronomical. So things that I always encourage parents to do when, you know, we go to the coffee shop or whatever, we pay with the card, bring, I know this is a pain, bring cash, (laughs) make the kid figure out how much money to give how much change do you get? Okay. You have to be at a swim party, whatever, at four o'clock. Make them figure out what time do we need to leave the house? What, when should we start getting ready? And time is really a hard thing to, to teach because everything else works in blocks of tens and hundreds. And then Time is it's weird, 60 and 12 and 24 and, you know, so integrating real life math into every day, I think is really important. Reading in front of your children. Um, You know, my daughter is 21 now, but I have my two little nieces here this week. And part of our morning routine is that, you know, we eat breakfast. And then we all sit and read a book, you know, and I'm reading, they're reading, we're reading together. Now it's not you read, it's we read. This is what we do, you know, and 
I love it because I hear giggling. You know, they're reading the book. One was giggling at the story. The other one is shaking her book because it says, shake this book. You know, it's like this little story book and you're supposed to shake the book. And I see her over there shaking the book. So it's good for adults too to take that time to not be looking at a screen, not be folding the laundry. Laundry will be there later. No one's going to die. Spend that 30 minutes reading. Do those adventures with your kids. Go to, you know, the historic park or whatever and learn about the different things because all those things are going to help your kids grow and learn. I, I love all of that. And maybe because I came from a family, again, of educators who were curious and that was sort of second nature to them, I kind of picked it up from my upbringing. Um, but I realized that isn't how other families operate, that, you know, they aren't, they aren't, you know, when you pick up a shell, they're not like opening up a shell identification book the way my parents would, or like getting, you know, <laughs> getting a telescope to look at the stars and then pulling out like a star map. But like, I came from this family of educators, like everything was about curiosity and learning. And I thought that's how all families operated. And they don't, they, we need to remind them that there's these teachable moments that when you're making cookies and you're using a tablespoon and a quarter cup, there's a fraction story back there. And that changes is a, is a money math division issue. And, um, and so I love putting a reframe around how you could take everyday living and, and, and find the embedded lesson in it. That's like a mindset shift that we could share with parents. Yeah. And it's fun. And those are the memories you're going to remember, you know, 20 years. Or, well, I mean, my daughter's actually just turned 22, but those are the memories you remember, right? You're not going to remember folding the laundry. You're going to remember sitting in the backyard on a summer night, reading a book. Yeah. Um, any, anything else that you would like to, to make sure that this audience uh, hears or has as a, as a takeaway that I haven't asked you specifically about? Sure. I have one last thought. Yeah. I think it's really important that we don't turn learning into a battle. I think once you turn it into a battle, your child turns off. And it's really hard to flip that switch back on again. So when you get the tears and, you know, that becomes every night, it's time to change what you're doing and figure out a different path. Maybe that's when it's time to have grandma do homework with them. Maybe that's time to um, jump on a platform like ours, but, um, you don't want to have to undo that because it takes much longer to undo it. You know, think of like a cut, you cut yourself, right? It takes the second to do it, but it takes a long time for that cut to heal. It's the same thing with um, building anxiety around learning. So let's try and keep those kids as healthy as possible. Hallelujah to that. Oh my goodness. I can't thank you enough for this. Um, I, I know that this has been so helpful to parents to hear this. Uh, if they want to continue on with you and learn more about you and your services and, and get more resources, take, take a moment here to, to let us know how do we keep this conversation going with the audience after this podcast is over. So we have a website. It's just study.help. How easy is that? Study.help you know, coming from a teacher, <laughs> just make it easy. <laughs> and once they go on there, there's a button they can click and they can either choose to 
have an email conversation with me or go online virtually like you and I are talking right now and talk about their child and what they're looking for and what they need. And then I'm going to guide them as best I can and try and match them with the right personality for them. Like we talked about before to really help them get going and have positive results. And one of the things I love about this platform is that the families are so grateful and the kids are so happy to be there. And it just makes my heart so happy that, that we're able to provide this resource for, for people everywhere. Amazing. All right. So I will, for, for people listening, I will absolutely throw that up in the show notes and make sure that they've got a link through. But I did, I did put it into the search engine going like, that seems so easy. There's not a .ca, not a .com, not a www. Am I really going to find your website? And boom, I did. So yes, I'll, <laughs> I'll put that up in the show, the show notes. And thank you for showing us that uh, there is a way to deliver education in these difficult times in a way that's like joyful for both the teacher and the parent. And uh, let's, let's love learning again. <laughs> thank you for having me. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.